Other than Dungeons and Dragons, what other great adventure games should we consider playing? What else has really stood out over the past 35 years of role-playing history? Welcome back, Rescuers. I'm your host, Shay Webster, and this is Roleplay Rescue, the show about getting you back to the table as a role player. In Season 2, I did an episode asking those same questions and shared my thoughts on five games that have had a big impact on me over the last 35 or so years. As that went down quite well, I've decided to share my thoughts on three more games that I believe are very much worthy of your attention. This is Season 3, Episode 11, The Penultimate Episode. I've accumulated a huge collection of role-playing games over the years. I've had several culls of that collection too, much as it pains me. And I am currently in the throes of trying to reduce my collection to the games I value the most. The three games that I want to talk about today are all RPGs that I believe deserve a place on a shelf, despite the fact that most of my RPGs live in stacks on the floor. One of them is a game that I tend to overlook all too easily. Another is a game that I've alluded to a fair bit on the channel. And the last is a game that is quite new in my collection, but which should really be in your collection. But first... I wanted to stop and ask, why do we collect these games? I'm seemingly obsessed with role-playing games. That's largely because I believe that role-playing is just about the most healthy hobby there is, contrary to first appearances, which, if combined with a bit of exercise and a reasonably balanced diet, helps to make people into better people most of the time. As I said back in episode one, Escaping the Grind, Role-playing games are a creative inspiration. Role-playing games allow a space to explore alternative roles for yourself. Role-playing games encourage community. But why collect them? Is it the beautiful art? Are we on the quest for the definitive system rules? Are we exploring multiple worlds and absorbing the creative ideas? What is it that brings us back to shopping for more RPGs? I'm not sure I have an answer. We surely don't need more than one set of rules. We certainly don't need other people's creative worlds. And I believe that artists will create beautiful images and share them, irrespective of whether there are new books to publish them in. But I am grateful for the people who make games, who design worlds, and who create art. Without them, my world... The real one that I'm experiencing right now? That world would be poorer for the lack of new books. And so, here are three of the games that I'd like you to consider adding to your collection. Let's get started. CHA2020 is a product code that resonates deeply with me. It's on the cover of the first game I want to talk about today, and it's a rulebook that entered my life fully around the turn of the century, despite having been out there since 1980 and being a system that I was intimately familiar with from 1983. Do you know that product code? Do you recognise the game I'm talking about yet? 
This is a role-playing game system which originated in the RuneQuest fantasy role-playing game. The standalone booklet was first released in 1980 in the box set release of the second edition of RuneQuest. Greg Stafford and Lynn Willis are credited as the authors. A percentile skill-based system, the game was used as the basis for most of the games published by the Chaosium, including Call of Cthulhu, Stormbringer and ElfQuest. The game, of course, is basic role-playing, the Chaosium role-playing system. The current edition of Basic Role-Playing was published in May 2008 and remains available in two formats from the Chaosium website. There's a full-size softback tome currently priced at around $40 and a smaller quick-start edition which is $12. Both are available in .pdf and, this being the Chaosium, if you buy the print copy then you can claim a PDF copy free of charge. Big bonus for us Brits is that all of the Chaosium products ship from within the UK or USA or Australia, depending on your location. That means cheap postage for the Brits. As Ken Height wrote, quote, The core is the same game we've all been playing since 1978 when Steve Perrin looked in his white box and said, I'll bet I could design better rules than this. In short, it's the cleanest, simplest, easiest generic system around. And now it's in one book, not 20, end quote. Basic role-playing is a veteran game indeed. It's probably one of the most influential RPGs in history, certainly right up there with D&D for its impact on the hobby over the last 20 years or so. And that's probably reason enough to ask why it doesn't get mentioned enough or talked about enough in these days of shiny new games and myriad fantastic worlds. When I released a recent episode, I think it was the interview with Gabriel Rourke about Dungeon World, someone asked me why basic role-playing never seems to get a mention. It seemed rather plaintive and, in truth, I didn't really have a reply. Basic role-playing is a very solid and very fine game, so why don't more people talk about it? The game is a D100 system game. BRP, as basic role-playing is generally called, is also notable for being the first role-playing game system to introduce a full skill system to characters, regardless of their profession. This is very different from the class and level approach used by most games prior to 1980. Certainly Traveller had stood out as a game that introduced a skill system and avoided class levelling, but BRP was the first system, at least that I came across, which fully embraced the idea of a full skill system with a unified resolution mechanic. Roll 1d100 and try to score equal to or less than your skill value. What could be more intuitive than that? Everyone in our modern society is, after all, taught from an early age to imagine and estimate things based upon the concept of a percentage, a score from 1 to 100. Compared to D&D, for example, there's less fiddling with dice of different types, and the concept of a percentile chance of success is extremely easy for both beginners and experienced players to grasp. I do think that the following points, listed on page 10 of Basic Roleplaying, I believe they're true, despite being written by the designers of the game. Quote, The system is remarkably friendly to newcomers. It is easy to describe the basics of the game system and the percentile mechanics to non-gamers. Players of other game systems often find basic role-playing to be much less mechanistic and less of a barrier to the actual act of role-playing. 
Less time spent on game systems usually equals more time available for role-playing and thinking in character. Most of the information players need to know is present on their character sheets. Characters tend to evolve based on practicing the skills they use the most. They do not arbitrarily gain experience in skills and qualities based on ephemeral elements such as levels or experience ranks. Combat can be very quick and deadly, and often the deciding blow in a conflict is the one to land first. Basic role-playing is remarkably modular. Levels of complexity can be added or removed as needed, and the core system works equally well with considerable detail as it does with a minimal amount of rules. The internal consistency of basic role-playing allows for rule judgments to be made rapidly and with little searching through the rulebook for special cases. End quote. For me, the key strength of the game is the fact that I can design my character and develop my character with a clear vision in mind. I will see my basic role-playing character grow through the actual use of the skills that come up in play. If I want to, I can put that character into any world that can imagine. BRP is modular and also generic enough to be run with any genre, any world, and any type of adventure. The recent movement of the Call of Cthulhu into the 7th edition of that game left behind some of the mechanics of BRP, and perhaps this is part of the reason for BRP languishing a little forgotten. Some prefer the streamlining of the 7th edition of Cthulhu, and would praise the departure. Others are gravitating back to the 6th or even 5th editions, all of which are firmly rooted in the rules of BRP. To my mind, this evolution of the Call of Cthulhu is just another step in the evolution that began with the inception of this set of RPG rules in 1978. The basic role-playing rules have changed and moulded themselves to many, many worlds and many games over the years. Perhaps they are due for another edition, learning from the developments in Cthulhu. Who knows? Only the folk at the Chaosium. If I were you, though, I'd go and check it out. Download the free 48-page quick start rules and give them a look. If you're curious about D100 gaming, then basic role-playing is a fine way to discover more. I'd heard of Castles and Crusades, but I'd not really clocked that Troll Lord Games had created other games. Least of all, I'd not really realised that they had released a pulp RPG in the form of Amazing Adventures. Perhaps that's not surprising, as this game, Amazing Adventures, doesn't show up on our Wikipedia search. It's that fringe. But it's woefully overlooked, because it's simply a very solid game. Pulp Adventure refers, of course, to the cheap fiction magazines published from the 1920s through to the 1950s, named for the cheap wood pulp paper that they were printed on. Quote, The pulps, though underappreciated in so-called legitimate literary circles, form a vitally important milestone and landmark in Western literary history. In the pages of the pulps, authors like Robert E. Howard practically invented the sword and sorcery subgenre of heroic fantasy. Men like H.P. Lovecraft and Robert Bloch brought supernatural horror into its own. Science fiction found its first audience in the pulps. Guys like Raymond Chandler brought hard-boiled crime fiction into the public eye, no pun intended. Without the pulps, authors like Kelly Armstrong, Laurel K. Hamilton, Stephen King, Clive Barker and Neil Gaiman might not be around, or at least nearly as well known as they are today, end quote. 
Those pulps, along with B-movie matinees, were of course the inspiration for Arneson and Gygax creating Dungeons and Dragons in the first place. Trollord Games published Amazing Adventures in 2012. It's written by Jason Vey, and the current second printing was produced in 2014. It's not that old a game, folks. Interestingly, as this airs, a Kickstarter for a 5e version of Amazing Adventures will be coming to a close as the Troll Lords bring the high-octane action style to the fans of the Dungeons & Dragons game. The core rulebook covers the classic eras of pulp fiction, the 1920s through to the 1950s, are very clearly the imagery depicted in the art and character class choices. Yes, this is a class and level game, and that has to do with Amazing Adventures having its roots in the Siege Engine, designed originally for castles and crusades. But it is different, and Amazing Adventures takes a toolkit approach to play. Quote, The play is nearly identical to that in C&C. However, you may also notice a great deal of options spread throughout the game in sidebars. The Siege Engine is eminently adjustable and adaptable to many styles of play, and these sidebars are designed to give you options to tweak your game to fit your preferred style, end quote. In fact, with the recent addition of the Star Siege supplement, currently a free 44-page download from Troll Lord's web store, you can really glimpse the adaptability of Amazing Adventures to other time periods and genres. Shortly after the release of the core rulebook, Supplements began to demonstrate the growing realisation that Amazing Adventures can run modern and science fiction games just as well as it does those of the classical pulp eras. Add in the material in Castles and Crusades, all of which is completely compatible because AA was designed to work alongside it, and you can cover pretty much any style of game you want. That's what, in my opinion, makes it one of the most overlooked games from recent years. While Castles and Crusades is pretty gritty and emulates the experience of advanced Dungeons and Dragons from back in the 1980s, Amazing Adventures learns from some modern design ideas and makes the system fly for a more pulpish style. There are Fate Points, a mechanic that provides characters with the means to affect gameplay in small but significant ways. In addition to the slick, smooth, roll-high D20 core mechanic that tests against standard six attributes. The classes are redesigned from the ground up. I love classes such as the Pugilist and the Arcanist, evocative archetypes that capture the essence of the pulp style very well indeed. Magic is redesigned to use a spell point system that is quite different from any I've seen before. For example, in the Arcanist class, starting mana energy points are derived from a roll of a d4, plus your constitution bonus, plus the bonus of your chosen primary spellcasting attribute. Yes, you get to choose whether to draw your magic from intelligence, wisdom, or charisma. Quote, those Arcanists with a scientific outlook towards magic use intelligence. Those who believe magic comes from an innate gnosis or an intuitive understanding of the mystical forces at work in the world cast spells based on wisdom. Finally, those who believe magic comes from sheer force of personality and will cast spells based on charisma. I love the flavour of magic in Amazing Adventures. I could go on and on about the details. Suffice it to say that Amazing Adventures packs an awfully big punch. Lots of content in the core rulebook, including the spells, items, adversaries, and everything else you need to run a damn good game. Oh, and one of the real treats of the system is the way in which it uses the spell effects, derived from the classic fantasy game, 
to power gadgets, items and psionic powers. In other words, you don't need to learn a whole raft of new special abilities and powers because Amazing Adventures allows you to grab a spell you're familiar with and reskin it as a superpower, gadget or special item. Genius! If you want a modern or science fiction game using the Siege engine, Amazing Adventures is your game. If you just want a fast playing and lighter rule system that feels a lot like Dungeons and Dragons in the modern world, yes, this is the game for you. At the time I'm recording this, I don't yet have my copy of this game. The Kickstarter for it ended a short while back and I'm avidly waiting the arrival of the black box. Some folk also splashed out on the rules tome version, the one big book, but I opted for the black box. Five little hardback books in a delicious box set. I am, of course, talking about Old School Essentials, published by Necrotic Gnome, the author of which is the amazing Gavin Norman. Gavin's game is perhaps the one that is most responsible for inspiring this podcast. Without my rediscovery of the basic expert edition of Dungeons & Dragons, originally published in 1981, and my consequent use of Gavin's first iteration, then called BX Essentials, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you about the latest incarnation of those classic rules. The Kickstarter blurb sold Old School Essentials as, quote, a modular adventure game in the tradition of the beloved 1980s role-playing rules, 100% old school rules, 100% modern design, end quote. And yes, this is at its core a re-editing and re-presentation of the classic 1981 Dungeons & Dragons BX rules. But it's also so much more than that. In the free-to-download Old School Essentials basic rulebook, we read that it is, quote, a modular game that can be easily expanded for play in many different fantastic genres and game worlds, end quote. And that is the major reason why I wanted to talk about it. Old School Essentials is about to transcend its roots in the classic fantasy genre of the original game and begin to expand into new vistas and worlds. It does this through the planned edition of genre books. Here's another bit of the Kickstarter blurb. Quote, the rules of old school essentials are divided into modules, cleanly separated chunks of related content. For example, the core rules of a game are cleanly separated from the rules for the classic fantasy character classes. This makes it simple to swap out any of the modular components of the game's rules with alternatives. Perfect for referees who love to customise and tweak, end quote. In addition to the already announced Advanced Classes plus the Druid and Illusionist spellbook that was funded through the colossal success of the Kickstarter campaign, Gavin has long talked about adding a post-apocalyptic genre book featuring road warriors and all the tropes of Mad Max. This book is, I believe, in playtest. And this is the opportunity that I think Old School Essentials offers that most of the other retro clones kind of miss. By organising the text of the original game into modules, Gavin's approach allows the GM to swap out any one module and replace it with another. At the simplest level, this means you can swap out the classic fantasy stuff and just use the core rules of the game with the genre module of your choice. But it's richer than that. Want to add classic fantasy spells to your game? Well, easy. Plonk the spell books on the table and have at it. All the classes are built to a similar power level and are largely interchangeable. 
Over time, I can see old school essentials growing into a line of very useful genre toolkits that would allow a sad old grognard like me to run his most pulpy gonzo games using the same time-tested rules engine that has been around since the early days of the hobby. If that's not enough reason to get old school essentials and add it to your collection, then perhaps the artwork would be. There are loads of high quality black and white illustrations throughout the books, but since the funding goals at Kickstarter were blown out of the water, Gavin has opted to add in several full colour plates of gorgeous art from a myriad of excellent artists. I find the work shown in progress so far. It's inspiring. It's inspiring all manner of cool ideas for games. And I can't wait to get my hands on the books proper. They should be arriving sometime later in 2019, slated for October in the Kickstarter, so I'll no doubt end up dribbling on about them again in Season 4. I hope that's enough to get you to check out the Necrotic Name website and consider pre-ordering your copy to add to your no-doubt growing pile of role-playing gold. This podcast is all about helping lapsed gamers find a route back to the gaming table, and I've shared some interesting suggestions about that over the past 25 or so episodes. The best episodes, though, have arisen from the questions that you, the listeners, have asked. Thus, I'm going to ask you, what questions do you still have? If you ever want to get in touch, ask questions, or share your point of view, you can leave me a voice message. Just download the Anchor mobile app, search for Roleplay Rescue, and tap on the messages button to leave yours. Without you, the listeners, I can't hope to tackle the problems people face in really getting back to the table. Thank you for your support. I don't know why I keep collecting RPGs, but I think it's probably something that most gamers indulge in. Even if you're not gaming, owning and reading gorgeous books is a big part of the hobby. Today, I've outlined and talked you through three games that I firmly believe deserve some consideration. Basic role-playing, the D100 game that has shaped the RPG hobby more than most. Amazing Adventures, the pulp D20 siege engine game that most gamers seem to have criminally overlooked. Old School Essentials, the BX-derived modular rule set that will allow for multi-genre play using the classic game engine. I hope you found something of interest in today's episode. I'm keeping it short and sweet. That said, let me know if you would like a more in-depth look at any of the games I've spoken about on the show. I'm always happy to delve deeper into a game that I've come to love, and there's always room for a hearty review from time to time. Remember, role-playing games are a creative inspiration. Role-playing games allow a space to explore alternative roles for yourself. Role-playing games encourage community. Now get out there and start playing! Thanks for listening to this episode of Roleplay Rescue. I hope you enjoyed it. As it was the penultimate episode of Season 3, I need to let you know that I'm already making plans for Season 4. Huge thanks to The Chaosium, Troll Lord Games and Necrotic Gnome for inspiring this episode and for adding more books to my enormous stacks up there in the hobby room. Have you ever considered joining the enlightened heroes who support this show and keep it going? One dollar a month is all it takes. Thank you 
to the amazing Roleplay Rescue patrons who support the show through their generous donations and encouraging words via patreon.com forward slash RPG Rescue. Thank you to you too, the listener, for lending me your ears and making the whole thing worthwhile. I'm Che Webster. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next weekend with the final episode of this season of Roleplay Rescue. Game on.